Hi everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. You're in for a treat today as I have another artist interview and I know from all your lovely comments and messages that you are really enjoying these. So today I am chatting with mixed media artist Kelly Bergella and she creates quirky family portraits and also explores a more abstract style. I love Kelly's art, but I also wanted to talk to her because she's right in the middle of a big transition. She's just left her day job and she has jumped into making art full time. So join me as I chat to Kelly about how she's getting on and the strategies she's using to set herself up for the long haul. Kelly, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. I have to confess that I went on to Instagram last night and I spent the most lovely time over on your feed looking at your art and it was fantastic. You know what I love about it? is the storytelling element to it. Mm. I got so caught up in reading about what inspired your pieces. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am a big fan. For anyone who's listening to this, I really encourage them to go over to your Instagram feed because I think that's going to make this conversation so much better if you go and have a look at the art first, if you aren't familiar with it. So what's your Instagram handle? Because I'm going to send everyone over to it. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's at burger and stuff. So it's B-E-R-G-E-R and then and stuff. So it's just a play on my surname, which is Kelly Bergella, but no one seems to be able to pronounce it. So I <laughs> thought I, um, I might make it in a more digestible format. Yes. I love that. So pop over, go and have a look at Kelly's art. Can you describe what you do? I think it's probably best if you put it into words. So how, I know that's hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but tell everyone the work that you create. So there's the family portraits and the smaller style of work that I do that is that kind of quirky, more people. I focus more on people. And then I also have an abstract style that I do as well. And that's kind of to counteract, I just hate getting bored. And so so I sometimes jump into doing the abstract stuff just to have a break from doing the other side and vice versa. Yeah, they both kind of serve different purposes for me, I guess. One's a bit looser and one's, I guess, a bit more defined. So depending on my mood can be the one that I'm drawn to, which is nice to be able to chop and change for that creative balance too, I think. It's so important, isn't it, to be able to sort of have different things that you can hop into depending on how you're feeling and they all serve different parts of your personality and what you need. I really want to be in this for the long haul, so I'd hate to feel like I, I guess, was pinned down to one type of style and I wouldn't want to get sick of it or for it to become a chore. So I think it's really nice to be able to balance out that creative energy. Mm. So your quirky kind of portraits, because um, that was mostly what I was looking at when I was looking at your feed. They're just so rich and juicy, and the colours and the they they really they're really interesting and they feel very alive. And I'm curious. So what do you use? Like what kind of process is involved in creating pieces like that? Thank you. That's a nice way to describe it. Actually, I like that juicy. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so I use a lot of inks, so acrylic inks. I like the depth of colour to them and that moody, I guess, feel that you can get from them. And I also use a lot of pen. And then in my family portraits that I do, I actually use a lot of soft pastel as well just to create the layers. And I think it it does give it a lot of character and also enables me to try out a lot of different styles. I have a love-hate relationship with pastels because they're so 
messy and dusty and dirty, but I am always drawn back to them for their versatility. Yeah, that's really interesting because I have a love-hate relationship with pastels <laughs> as well. And I use very similar materials in my works. I, um, I know what that sort of mixed media combination can be like. How mm. do you navigate with the pastels, the kind of mucky dustiness? Do you have any um, tips or <laughs> that you can pass on? would love to hear some because I'm actually just looking at, well, if you would call it my studio, but it yeah. is very dusty. Yeah. And I, I try to give my surfaces a bit of a clean down after I finish, like a family portrait, for example, because it does get really musty, I find. And I've had to get a lot more organised with how I work, just with the workspace that I have available to me as well. So when I'm working on really big pieces and I work really only on paper at the moment, I find I try, I've been trying to work more in sections. So the first layer is usually an inky sort of layer and then I'll put the pastels over the top and try to work in sections and then put my pastels away, which is kind of a hopeless endeavour, but try to put them <laughs> away as I go. And then by the end of it, I've just got stuff everywhere anyway. But I, I do attempt that. And because I'm using so many different materials, I think you find the same thing. It is really hard to keep it organised because you, you are jumping from one thing to another. And I do kind of have a place for everything, but I also, I think if you're too organised as well, sometimes that can break your creativity because if, you, if you've got something and it's really working, you want to just keep going with it. Yeah, I can relate to that too, because I like to try and approach things from an organised point of view. But then <laughs> when I really get in the flow, you can tell because the studio looks like a bomb's hit it. <laughs> But that's, that's usually when everything goes out the window because I'm just like, oh, I'm loving it and I'll grab this and I'll grab that. And, you know, so I think we kind of need both, don't we? Yeah, I'm nodding my head furiously over <laughs> here, yes. <laughs> so how did you get into the style of art that you have? Like, how did you develop that? Good question. So when I was on maternity leave with my youngest, who is now three and a half, I was at home and started painting because I I did find maternity leave, it, look, it's lovely to have that time, but it was a real change for me and a real challenge in terms of, I was never bored, there's always plenty to do, but I felt a big gap in terms of something for me. And when I was on my first round of maternity leave, I started a baking business, doing healthy baking. So I think there's a bit of a pattern there for me. I don't like being bored. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's brilliant though. <laughs> And then with the second round, so with my youngest, Lara, I don't know where it came from, to be honest, Laura, but I just felt an urge to start painting and creating. And I went to the art shop and I had no idea what to buy. And I felt really out of my depth and I felt very intimidated. And I just bought a whole lot of everything. I remember I bought paper and some oil paint, not even having any comprehension of that they would not go together and the <laughs> shop assistant quizzed me on it and I just went oh yeah I, I know what yeah I know they don't go together and I just pretended because I was so embarrassed <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing and I just went home and just started experimenting and the feeling that I had I still remember that the feeling of being alive and freedom I would say be alive and freedom that were the two big things that I got from art and I felt like it's going to sound a bit woo-woo, but it's true. I felt like my eyes had opened and were all of a sudden seeing things that in a way that I had never seen them before. I felt really present in the moment. And I would just find every available opportunity I could 
to paint when my youngest was asleep or even when she was awake and if I could occupy her and paint. And I just tried everything and anything. And Instagram was such a big influence for me for that because I could see lots of different artists and styles. And I love Del Catherine Barton. She's one of my favourite artists. Yeah. I yeah, was just obsessed with her work and I started, I guess, trying to develop something uh, that would lend itself to getting commission work as well, which is where my family portrait style came about. So I remember one night, as you do, I was making dinner and all of a sudden I felt like I wanted to sketch something. So I'm trying to get dinner prepared and then I just sketched our family and I was doing all different sort of styles. And finally I came up with something that I thought, wow, I really like that. And then as soon as the kids went to bed at night, I just grabbed a bit of paper and, and I've actually got to hang up on my wall now, I'm looking at it. And I felt like I was in a trance. I remember it was like two hours I was painting and it felt like two minutes and I didn't even realise that I was actually doing it. It was a kind of an out-of-body experience. It's hard to describe. Maybe you can relate. I, I definitely can relate. And I think that many people listening will too, that they'll know that out-of-body experience where it feels like someone else is actually doing the painting. Yes, that's exactly how it felt. And and then I looked at it and I went, oh, I quite like that. And look, my style has developed a lot from that first one. But I was also due to go back to work around that time and I was terrified of losing my creative mojo and I thought once I went back to work then I'd have less time and it would just kind of be pushed to the background and I'd lose this thing that I just loved. So I um, developed this family portrait style and I thought that's something that would enable me to then get some orders and have something booked in that would buy me some time, I guess, to keep creating. And yeah, and that's how it did. It panned out like that. Well, that's such a brilliant strategy for maintaining momentum. You went back to work then after your second maternity leave? I did, yep. So So what's your work when you're not making art? Well, at the moment, I've just stepped into doing art full-time, but but for the last two, three years, marketing. So I was working for different government organisations in marketing, which was a like I had great jobs and worked with great people, but I wouldn't say it was necessarily challenging me. And particularly once I found art and creativity, I just changed the way I looked at my career. And I wanted something more. I really did. I needed something more for myself that I could grow. And my career wasn't that thing for me anymore. And that I must say that like it was really tough to deal with. Like there were times when I thought, and there still is, but particularly when I was still working and trying to create that I thought it'd be easier not to do it because if I didn't have it, then life would be so much easier. I thought I'd have so much free time. I wouldn't have this thing kind of hanging over my head. But at the same time, I couldn't not. I couldn't stop. But I thought it'd be easier in some ways. And I think a lot of people could relate to that as well. That's so interesting that you describe it that way, because it is like a bit of a tension almost in your life, isn't it? That you've got this pull to create. Sometimes it's hard to do it all, isn't it? When you've got a, you know, you've got a job, you've got young family, and then you've got this pull to create. And sometimes you, you do find yourself thinking, wow, you know, maybe it would just be easier if I wasn't doing this, then I'd have more time and I could do this with my kids and I could clean my house once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, there's often something there, isn't there, that you just can't let it go. No, and I think also I'm quite a stubborn person, which has served me well in some areas of my life and not in others. But I also probably have a lot of pride and I, I couldn't let myself give up and quit. A stubbornness can be a good thing sometimes, can't it? 
I think so. It can serve, serve you well in some, <laughs> some aspects ways, of yeah. life. You have to ask my mum about what she thinks about that. She might have something different to say. <laughs> it's so funny because you're describing your story and, and I'm nodding my head furiously because my story <laughs> is so very similar to yours. But this seems to happen to me when I whenever I talk to someone on the podcast. <laughs> so, right, what's, the, what's the deal with this? But I really do connect with what you're saying and describing. Well, I'd say that's a good thing for you though, Laura, because you're attracting like-minded people. And I think if you can get that reaction of people going, I feel like I know you, Mm. then that's a really important part of that marketing puzzle. Like that's, yeah, you've done a good job. So well done. Oh, thank you. So you went back to work. Have you got two children then? I do. Yes. So my eldest is five, almost six. So she just started school this year and my youngest is three and a half. So she's in three-year-old kinder. But you were continuing to offer the family portraits and doing it as a a side hustle. So what was Mm -hmm. that like balancing the work (laughs) and also that's the business, the art business? at the same time yeah it was really hard it I and I look back now and I don't quite know where I found the time and people have asked me that like when when did you actually paint and I don't know but I I think I've got on my Instagram bio and I did a sketch sketch once to try and describe it um and I call myself a time thief and I think this would be relevant for a lot of people because you're just stealing snippets of time so and I started to get really good at valuing 10 minutes of the day so I used to look at it and think 10 minutes why bother doing something but in 10 minutes I realized I could actually get a lot done if I was just focused so I might set the kids up with I don't know some coloring or whatever and I was able to do a little bit of my portraits and it wasn't a lot but it was something it was better than nothing and then I would just work at night a lot and at that stage I was also working on the dining room table which was quite annoying but just what had to be done so I'd have to pack up all my stuff and then you know bring it all back out again and that was always difficult I mean since then I've really been just um what do you call it promoted I guess to downstairs we've got a theater room so look it's, it's better it's than an the upgrade. dining room table yeah it's very dark in here I call it my dungeon but dungeon. it's better than the dining room table yeah I've painted my dungeon so yeah it was tricky and it was and I don't know why but I also decided to increase my work by a day during that time so I was doing three and a half days for a while and that was really hard yeah just trying to manage like you just feel like you feel like you're getting through it, but you're not necessarily enjoying enjoying it. But I always had, I guess, the big picture in mind that I remember jotting down in my journal once, like, I, I want to do this, and I want this to be my thing, my sole focus. So I always had that in the back of my mind, but I never, I never, I was never fully confident that it could happen. But I did have, I guess, a bit of a game plan as such to try and get me through those tough periods where I thought, maybe I should just give up. Mm, It's so important to have something that you can aspire to. Did you have that as well? Sorry, Laura. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I've had many conversations with my husband at times when I've been like, is this really what we wanted? Because this feels really tough. Like this is hard work. (laughs) And he kept on saying to me, there's going to be a period of grind that you're going to have to work hard, but it's going to be worth it. So he Uh kind of carried the big picture for us when I was stuck in the nitty gritty of this, this is too hard. Uh And I have to say just in the last, probably in the last even few months, I feel like we've actually come to that place where it has become enjoyable 
and we are slowing down a bit and we have more time. And the dream that we had, which we started when my son was, because I also discovered my art when I was on maternity leave for the second time. Mm. So very similar. And my son is about to turn seven. So that was seven years ago. So there's definitely probably about a five year slog. Now we have created a business that supports us and there's you know there's passive income involved we can actually take days off go and do things and things are still ticking over in the background so I needed to be reminded of that many times um, during the that middle stage because it was a juggle and for part of that time I was doing exactly what you were doing like juggling a part-time job as well to young kids very similar. I really admire you for being able to grab those 10 minutes here and there because I've always struggled with that idea that I could get something done in 10 minutes Um, (laughs) but it's very important and I've got better at it over time but I'd almost write off my day if I didn't get started straight away. I'm like well what's the point then you know. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile I had hours left of the day but it was just an excuse you know I had this idea that it needed to be perfect. It's like if you've eaten five Tim Tams, you think I might as well just eat the whole packet, right? (laughs) It's like, oh, I didn't get started by 10 a.m., so what's the point of this day then? (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. Yeah, so you have to be disciplined, don't you? And And I always say to people, like, you don't always have to love it. Like, I, I think I had this unrealistic expectation in the beginning that every time I sat down to create, it had to be this, like, out of body experience or something. But To be honest, like what you were saying, your husband said, a lot of it is a grind and there's times when I don't necessarily feel like it and I'll say to my husband, because I say I'm going down to my dungeon to work because I try to have that kind of separation and I'm not always excited about it. But usually when I get started, like I get into it and it's fine, but sometimes you've just got to sit down and just do the work and not expect it to always feel amazing or this, I guess the stereotype of what being an artist is like, it's not always like that. I'm so glad that you've described it because it's so true. It's great that we get those out-of-body experiences because I think that's actually what keeps us coming back. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, you're right. Yes. Because what I find is that whenever I'm in that sort of stage where it's kind of I'm dragging my feet, it's like something will happen just to remind me of why I do it. So I'll go in and have one of those amazing days and I'll be like, this is it. This is why I do this. And they always come just at the right time, just to kind of keep me on track. But cultivating a discipline and consistency, I just can't emphasize <laughs> how important it is. <laughs> this might be embarrassing, but um, I love Dolly Parton. Ah, and, <laughs> so and do I. I. Always, it's not oh, embarrassing at all. <laughs> and I love, because I love, like, as you mentioned before, I love storytelling and I love songwriting and I love country music for that reason. And one of the things that Dolly says, and I've got it on my pin board, I'm just reading it now actually, she says, above everything else I've done, I've always said I've had more guts than I've got talent. So I always come back to that and I think you don't necessarily have to be the best at something, whatever the best means, but I think consistency and being persistent counts for a lot because eventually you will get somewhere, you have to get somewhere, You don't. it's just being able to stick it out and play the long game. And you know what? Consistency builds, it builds bravery 
and it builds confidence. So if you keep on doing things all the time, you get braver and braver. And that is the other thing that really helps. (laughs) So That is so true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I've found anyway from my personal experience, um, you know, of just continuously showing up that some of the harder things aren't as hard anymore because you're doing them all the time. So very, very important things to kind of cultivate from an early stage. At what point did you decide it was time to go full time and go all in? Yeah, it was interesting. I finished up at that the job that I mentioned last October and then there was a period of time to be honest, I actually wanted to jump ship and start pursuing my art as my sole thing, but my husband wasn't feeling 100% confident or ready for that. And, I mean, I guess part of me wanted to do it, but a part of me also agreed with him as well. And so I got another job and I started that at the start of this year. And so that was two and a half days as well, job sharing with somebody. So I... did you – can I – sorry, I just want to have a question. <laughs> no, it's so, fine. So did you go back then – so you were working three and a half and then you did you drop back a little bit? Was that deliberate or – It was just what the job – was like the hours the days that it was but yeah I definitely actually I think towards the end of the job before that I had cut back down again actually but that was just briefly and yeah two and a half days was sort of what I was looking for uh, which was good and it was yeah great opportunity great job like I couldn't swear to put it I it was really hard to say no to it because it was actually really like it was good pay it was good hours it was working with somebody I knew it wasn't a job that I'd have to stress about or take home work with me or any of that. So it was really hard to say no to it and I didn't say no. And so I did that for, well, it's only been a month since I've been working my art full time. So I resigned, it was probably a couple of months ago from that job because it just got to the point where I um, had a bit of momentum. I'd done a portrait for a couple from the show Married at First Sight and I had gotten quite a lot of inquiries and bookings from that. Did I mm. did I see a portrait for Beck Judd as well? Yes, yes, that's what kind of, I guess, kick-started. I am so grateful and thankful to her. I, I approached her, well, her manager, very early on to do a family portrait for her because I, I'd researched, and this is the other thing I'd say to people, if you, if you want to work with influencers, do your research and make it personal. And I knew she liked a certain artist that I really liked as well and I thought she might be into it. She might not, but she might. Why not give it a shot? So I contacted her manager and Beck said that she would love a portrait and I was just dumbfounded and so excited. And I did that portrait for her and on the back of that I got loads of inquiries and bookings. So that's what kind of really kick-started my career and I'm so grateful to her for that because she just enabled me to get to my audience a lot quicker than what I would have been able to do on my own. You are so smart to do that and brave to put yourself out there and approach someone and I've never even thought of doing something like that. So, oh, And do you know what it's funny, um, Laura, because I a lot of people have said that to me and I, to me it seems common sense yeah. but maybe it's my, my background as well. Marketing background is work. useful. Perhaps, and yeah. I did, I studied um, public relations at uni, not saying I ever, like, applied anything to uni, but maybe something sunk in. But that just sort of seemed common sense, I guess, to me. It's like, well, I've got to get here who might be help me be able to get there and can I offer them something of value. And also, I think what I'd learnt from, and I think you could relate to this too, from starting this art journey, and I'd already put myself out there so much. I mean, from walking in the art shop, not knowing 
any clue and that being so embarrassing as well I just thought what have I got to lose that's what I I got to the point where I just thought the worst thing that can happen is someone says no if someone says no it might hurt for a little bit or you might not hear anything but you'll move on so it's worth trying if your pride can get over it so anyway I yes approached Beck so I did that portrait for her and then just you yeah, had bookings which was great from a portrait work and then I was lucky enough to be able to make contact with one of the couples from Married at First Sight, who Jules and Cam, who were the only normal people on the show. I have to say, I didn't watch the show, <laughs> but I know that it was it was massively popular oh, you here, in this, here in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's exciting that you made that connection. Yes, yeah, so that was actually sort of through one of my other customers who I'd done a portrait for, who I was able to make that connection through because they were friends with them. I did that portrait for her and then she posted it on her page and then off the back of that so just getting back to the original question that gave me um, momentum to I, me, I still remember the point it was over Easter and I was sitting at my computer and you know just answering back to inquiries and booking people in and whatever else and it got to the point where I was doing the sums and I went oh okay like I, I can like looking at just the, the money side of it I can leave my job and that was, and I remember I called my husband because he was outside and I told him and he's always pretty, <laughs> what's the word for it? He, he's a really pragmatic type yeah, of guy. Yeah, I was going to say so. practical, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very practical. And he's just like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Oh, come on, give me some more excitement. This is huge. Yeah, and then we had a discussion about it and I was also really struggling with balancing everything. I was finding it really hard to try and even though my job wasn't necessarily stressful, it was still the fact that I had to have my head in another place. I remember probably too much information, but I had a bit of a, not a breakdown as such, but I got really overwhelmed one night and was really upset. And my husband was like, you know, something's got to give. And he, he's so funny. He goes, so you can't get rid of the kids. And <laughs> oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs> and he said, and I don't think you should give up your painting because you've worked too hard at that. So maybe, you know, it's time we need to give up your job. And I was really, it was almost like that's what I wanted, but actually making that happen, it was really hard because there was so much fear involved in it and it was a very layered decision there was guilt and then yeah, as I said fear and insecurity but it was actually at the point where I had to make a change and I also had built up the business enough to a point where although I wasn't necessarily earning as much as I was in my job I was getting close to it and if I could dedicate more time it had that potential um, and also it didn't feel so scary so I had enough work to know that I was stepping out into something rather than trying to build something that wasn't already there. Yeah, so I resigned and that was a really <laughs> anti-climax. I remember, I think I had in my mind, actually I've written a blog post about it because I think, you know what it's like in the movies or whatever when people go in and resign. It sounds so fantastical, I'm quitting my job to become an artist. <laughs> but the reality of it was so different. I remember I resigned to my boss and it was a really adult, mature conversation. <laughs> Everything just felt the same. Uh, there, was no, there was no dramatic music playing in the background. No, that's what one of my friends said to me. She's like, so you didn't get to like slam down your resignation and just like stomp out of there. And I said, no, because there was like, there was no ill towards them. And it was, it, it wasn't a toxic, bad situation. It was all, we had a conversation about, you know, how long do you want to stay on for? And just went back and 
sat at my desk and did what I was doing before that. So, yeah, the world didn't shift when I resigned from my job and nor did it the day that I left. Like, everything still felt very much the same and I'm very much in that transition period now. It's only been a month, so it's all very new and and I haven't really taken a moment, I guess. I was having a conversation with a friend last night about it to, I guess, really understand that it is a very big change and I don't even uh, say to her, this is is quite personal, but I don't want to think about it too much because I feel like if I think about it and give myself credit, then everything will fall down around me because I think it's probably a really Australian trait, but you want to try and be humble and not talk yourself up or... And I'm really scared to do that. And even doing this podcast today, talking to you, I, I don't even feel like I'm necessarily worthy of it. Like, who am I to pretend like I've got all my stuff together to be able to talk about it? But I'm trying to overcome that. So I guess that's also what I want to say to people. You don't necessarily have to know it all or think that you've got it, all your cards in place. You just try, just get out there and give it a shot. And there's no better message that could come through on this podcast than exactly what you're saying. Because <laughs> no, none of us have it all figured out anyway. I'm loving this conversation. I've written down so many things from what you've said. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh God, I can't believe you're learning from me. Oh, yeah. So I'm writing notes here. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> absorbing all of this. <laughs> thank you. It's so refreshing to hear a very honest take on what it's like. Mm. That's what I'm all about. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about real life, like real experiences, how it feels, the hard stuff, the good stuff. Exactly. And when I was thinking about this podcast, I, you know, I don't, I don't want it to come across like, oh, I started painting and now I quit my job and I'm doing it full time because that is not the reality. And I'd say if anyone says it is, it's not actually how it is. It's not as fantastical as that. And I think more people need to hear that because because it does sound, you can romanticise it quite easily and it's not like that. It's still a job at the end of the day. Like it's still, you've got work to do in order to pay the bills. So yes, I'm able to do what I love, but there's also a reality to it and I don't, don't want to hide from that. And what I've got from your podcast so far is a lot of honesty and it's helped me immensely. So hopefully I can give back and share that with your audience and they can take something from it. And I'm, I'm really... Um, I'm really happy that you're also personally taking something from it. Thank you. I am. I am. And it's it's really good to be reminded of things as well. As I said, my experience has been quite similar to yours as far as how I actually got to where I am now and what that looked like. It's encouraging to me to hear you talk because I also found it was was hard. It was difficult at times and I questioned things. And then to hear you say that, I'm like, ah. Oh. That's what it was like for me too. And I feel so encouraged by that. Oh, yeah. are you having flashbacks? Too? I am. I'm having huge yeah. flashbacks and it's wonderful mm. and I'm enjoying it very much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably good for you too because then that enables you to look back and see how far you've come and give yourself some credit yeah. and time to yeah. celebrate that. And I know what you're saying as well about this reluctance to kind of almost admit that we're doing what we're doing. You know, like we sort of sit in this kind of like denial around <laughs> the fact that we're actually doing it and it's great that we're doing it, but I relate to that as well. I don't know what it is, <laughs> where that comes from. Can I ask you a question? Because this is something that's come up for me in the last week or so. What do you tell people when they ask you what you do? What do you say? Because I get really awkward about what to tell people. I'm not sure why, but I, that's just how I feel. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because there's no simple answer. My husband was having this conversation recently with me because he struggles. He doesn't know what to say he is anymore because 
he works with me and he's like, what even am I? Usually I reckon I start by saying I run an art business or something like that. And I don't even, I even struggle just to say I'm an artist, you know, so I'll say I run an art (laughs) business, you know, because that's more vague. And the thing I find, I don't know if you find this, but people are fascinated as soon as you say you're an artist. Like it's not like saying you're an accountant or something like that. But when you say you're an artist or you run an art business, the conversation never ends there, does it? (laughs) It's like sometimes like my husband and I are like, what's the short answer when you don't actually want to describe the whole thing? (laughs) Because people tend to ask then, oh, so what do you do and what type of art do you make and what's your business? And then inevitably you start talking and it's like, oh, yeah, we have a podcast, we do this, we make online classes. And then, you know, it ends up being this really long conversation. Most of the time I just start by saying I run an art business and that's how it starts. Because I feel like people want a label and I was having this conversation with a friend who's an artist. <laughs> She's so funny. She said, I just tell people I'm a small business owner. And I said, but then they're going to ask you what sort of business you have because she feels really uncomfortable calling herself an artist or a designer or whatever. And I said, but eventually you're going to probably get to that point where you like you might not feel like an artist, but people probably just need a, a label, like a safe little box to put you in. So yeah, that's what I kind of struggle with. And I just, oh, I feel like a, <laughs> it, it just feels like other people are artists. It's not me. Other people do that. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if there's artists out there like that have been painting for like ever who still yeah. don't struggle with the idea that they're an artist. I wonder, you should put a question out yeah, to your, um, yeah, like your followers. It, it's a hard, sometimes it feels like a hard thing to claim. But you're absolutely an artist, Kelly. Stop being ridiculous. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> this is a ridiculous conversation. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I know. I need to just get over myself, I think. But it's probably something that maybe I don't show outwardly, but internally I feel like that. Uh, you just got to keep on saying it and then eventually it starts to feel more normal. But I remember when I first left my job and you, that whole like imposter syndrome thing is a very real thing. Oh, yes, yes. I have a big time. I definitely mm. felt like I was a fraud, 100%. <laughs> Do you still feel like that? Because I've heard that it never goes away, but you just get better at coping with it yeah I reckon that's true for me I think I wouldn't say it's completely gone away um I'm more I think I have changed my idea around who I am as in that doesn't make sense but what I'm trying to say is that I've got very comfortable now with the fact that I don't have it figured out and when I talk on the podcast I'm not saying that I know everything and I feel like my role is actually to encourage others by speaking the truth around that. Yes. And that's (laughs) what I've become comfortable with. So I've become comfortable with the fact that I don't have it figured out and that's who I am. That I don't know whether that's just kind of um, like taking the pressure off by saying that through speaking, like talking on the podcast and telling people openly that I've struggled saying that. I haven't been to art school. I don't have that kind of formal knowledge. All of that sort of stuff, like putting it out on the table has given me a lot of freedom. And so that's helped. So actually just being honest makes it easier. Yes, it does. It's scary, but in the long term. 
Yeah, because initially I didn't have all that stuff out on the table, you know, like I might have had a website and hadn't really told my story as much. So I felt like I was faking it in a sense. (laughs) But because now so much of it is just out there and I've shared my story many times, now I don't feel like I have anything to hide. So it's Mm. made it easier for me. And then because of that, I've had so many people come to me and say, I really appreciate the fact that you told that story or you mentioned how you felt in that situation and you know I value that and because people value it now I'm starting to recognize that that's maybe what I'm here to do and you don't know that until you try right until you put yourself out and try yeah so there was definitely those like scary moments in in the beginning where I was like you know should I be doing this (laughs) but I have I have a husband who is (laughs) he just yeah, he gets me to do the things that I don't want to do. <laughs> Sometimes we need like a best friend or it might be a family member. Like it, it doesn't have to be a partner, but sometimes we just need that person who just goes, what have you got to lose? Like, just do it. Like, come on. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Do you have someone like that that kind of cheers you on or gives I you that little... Say- yeah, I do have a few people in my life. Well, my husband's good in that sense. He is not like a, a really, I guess, in the traditional sense, a creative person. And he's also a small business owner. So he's been really great to bounce things off. And because he doesn't necessarily have that, uh, he's not coming at it from a creative angle. He's just looking at it really in black and white. So sometimes he's really good to sense check things with. And he just kind of says it as it is. And I'm like, oh, that's way too simple. But Sometimes it actually is that simple. And then I have some friends, like real life friends and Instagram friends that are really... <laughs> I love how you make that distinction. <laughs> I have some friends, they're real life ones. <laughs> I know because so much of, well, my life is online. I have actually met some online ones in real life too. They've crossed over, which is amazing. <laughs> they're, a spe- they're a special category they are, in themselves. They are, they? they're at the top of the chain. <laughs> And I've got some friends who also have their own business in the creative fields and or or creative themselves that are really good to have the other conversations with that I can't um, necessarily go to my husband, his name's Claude, I can't go to Claude with. Yeah, so it's good to have that balance. And I think also being an artist, there you go, I said it, it's, (laughs) it's so easy to get stuck in your own world because you are working on your own a lot. And it's really, really important. I'm trying to be really proactive about making sure that I get out and about and talk to people and maintain a social life now I'm not going into an office because I could see how I could quite easily, and this was one of my other fears as well about moving into art full-time, is the fact that I could quite easily become a full-time hermit as well. (laughs) Which, like, is good sometimes because there is part of me that does have a little bit of, I'm a little bit introverted, but I'm also quite an extroverted person in a lot of ways too. So I'm, and that was one of my husband's fears too about doing this art thing full time is that it might not be good for me to be on my own a lot. So I'm trying to be really proactive about making sure that I speak you know, whether it's a phone conversation or going out for a coffee or a walk or whatever it is and not getting trapped in my dungeon. Uh, That's a really good point that you've brought up as well about managing that side of things. Do you just check in with yourself from time to time or do you make sure that you're like regularly doing something? Like do you have things locked in or do you just notice when you've gone into hermit mode and you need to come out? (laughs) Do you know what? I reckon it was worse when I was working. Because when I did have art time, I was just like head down, bum up, getting it done. 
Whereas, um, look, it's only been a month for us, so I don't really have a lot to base it on. But I definitely have been trying to lock some things in, like either it's going out for lunch with a friend on one of my art days that I have to create because I also don't, I still don't have a lot of time, to be honest. I have two days a week where my daughter is at my mother-in-law's and that's the other thing. I could not have done any of this without family support because, yeah, it's, it would have been impossible for me. So I am so grateful to my in-laws in particular. And then my little one, she's at three-year-old kinder, but that's only twice a week for three hours each session. So I don't have a lot of time, but I'm also... I think I used to think like when you had time, you had to just work flat out. So if I had from nine till three, then I had to work that whole time. But I'm starting to realise, and I remember your podcast episode, I think you and Richie were talking about like having an art date and going out and like not looking at it like you're skiving off from work, but looking at it like you're investing in yourself. And so when you do get time to create, you're actually in a really happy space and you've been able to do something outside of art that's also fueling you in terms of being uh, giving you inspiration but then you can when you sit down to do the work it doesn't feel so much like a like drudgery so yeah trying to change my mindset around taking time out to do things that aren't physically painting is not a bad thing or you're not something to feel guilty about. Yeah, it's the mindset, isn't it? When you can look through it, look at it through a different lens, as you say, as it being actually a healthy part of being an artist and that you, as you mentioned it, you are in it for the long haul. So protecting your well-being has got to be a priority. Yeah, I really relate as well as when, when you're juggling, when you've got another job and then it can be difficult, like when a friend contacts you, maybe go out for lunch <laughs> or something like that but that's maybe only your you know it might be your only day that you have that week to kind of get into the studio because I found I had turning lots of things down because I couldn't afford to give up that time. Going back to like when you were talking earlier about when Richie said that sometimes like you just have to go through the grind for a while I remember there is a period of time we have to do that and I remember weekends where Claude would take the girls out so I could paint and I would there's part of me that's sad about that because I thought I'm missing out on family time but I would just keep saying to myself nope I know why I'm doing this there's a reason for this and Claude always enabled it like he's always been really supportive in that way trying to give me the time that I needed it's tricky in the early stages though because I think there is an element of sometimes it's not bad to work really hard I think there's this kind of notion of you know you shouldn't burn yourself out and no you shouldn't but there's also periods of time where I think you just have to put your head down bum up and work really hard and maybe not totally enjoy every minute of it but the payoff will come. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like I was thinking when I think back, I think, yeah, I had to turn down those coffee dates and I spent weekends when my kids all went to the zoo and I stayed at home to do studio work. It's exactly as you said, though, I just I don't know that I would have got where I've got now without doing some of that sort of just knuckle down and do the work. And do you think in a sense, sorry, Laura, it helps you to like almost have an investment in it because you think, I have sacrificed so much. I'm not going to bloody give up now. I'm going to keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And the family had sacrificed quite a lot. It's not just about you, is it? And mm. you probably you probably relate to that too, you know, with your family having to, you know, just it's not always easy having an artist in the house, is it? <laughs> no, and not in the mood sense either. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I would hate to live with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty good like around my kids, but 
Richie cops it, you know, as far as the <laughs> mood side of things. He, like he has to just, he can tell straight away. He's got so used to, because we've worked closely together for quite a while now, he can sense it. <laughs> what kind of creative <laughs> creative mood I'm in. <laughs> you need to have, um, you know, like that construction tape that says keep out. Just wrap that around yourself when you... <laughs> I only have to look at him, you know, it's the, the eyes <laughs> he knows. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. It's early days then for you as far as doing it full time. How is it going? Like, how's the change feel? I mean, it's so early still, but a bit of an adjustment, isn't it? Like, as far it as. It is. And I've also, I haven't necessarily been painting a lot in this last month because I'm in the process of getting my website finished and releasing some prints that I've. Yeah, I think they were the ones you're probably talking about. It's on my Instagram page with the stories. I, I don't think I necessarily underestimated how much time is involved in that. I just think I had no idea. So that's been a lot, like trying to fit. Yeah. And I don't think it's hard to explain unless someone's been through it and they nod their head furiously going, yeah, yeah, I, I get you. Yep. Um, so I've been really busy doing that. And a lot of it, even though I've worked in marketing, I didn't necessarily have to do a lot of the doing stuff like I'm doing now. Like I didn't really know much about setting up an email list. Like I had to teach myself all that. And then even Shopify, luckily I had one of my close friends help me set that up and she did my branding and everything. So all the rest of it, I've just been, and I've loved it because I've been learning so much, but it's also takes a lot of energy from you when you're doing that type of work. And so the last month has been a lot of setting that up and then also just getting a lot of things printed because I'm going to sign some cards and the prints as well and figuring out that and then, you know, my cost of goods, which is all the really sexy side of art. I mean, I'm really trying to invest some time now in setting it up so I'm, I've put myself in a good position when I do hit the ground running. So I'm not then trying to scramble and figure it all out after I've launched the website, which I probably will still be scrambling, don't get me wrong, but trying to, I guess, go about it really intentionally in terms of working out my costings to make sure that there's enough money in it to make it worth my while and to achieve what I need to achieve. And that's, I guess the side of being an artist that people don't necessarily, most people don't see, but it's also the reality of the world we live in, right? Yeah, and there's a huge amount of time. I have some weeks where I question whether I am an artist anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I spend so much time on all this other stuff to grow Mm -hmm. the business. And I must say what I'm struggling with at the moment and you might be able to even help me with this. I had last week, I was really struggling to work out <laughs> what kind of artist I want it to be. So in terms of do I want to be a fine art artist, whatever that may mean, and do I want to go into the direction of trying to go into galleries or do I want it more to be like a retail sort of positioning where that price point might be a bit lower of the prints and what that means for my brand and all those sort of que- I was really questioning myself and I got myself really confused. I kind of had to get to that space though because I was doing lots of research and I think research is good but it also gets to the point where you just read too much of other people's opinions and their approaches and it can really cloud your judgment and that's where having a really good support person like I was mentioning Claude is to me who is not um, who can look at it really pragmatically is really important, and he just I just asked him a question. He's like, just do this. Like what? He just asked me a few quick key questions, and I it made it really clear for me. Whereas I was getting myself really in a in a spot of bother around it all, and I look back and I think, why was I even bothering? But I think sometimes you have to move go to through those sort of stages. I'm, I don't know. What do you think? I think that one of the things that many artists 
are challenged by is really knowing what they're all about from the outset and trying to do too many things rather than doing one or two things really well. So that would be the first thing that I would say is try not to be everything. In the early stages, we often try a lot of things on. I mean, that's part of learning what's going to work. And then as you move on, you kind of can cut back a few things. Um, For example, when I was starting out, you know, I did a lot of art markets. I did prints. I did, you know, selling via retail outlets. I didn't go via the gallery route you know, selling directly through my website, that kind of stuff. What else did I do? Workshops, you know, various different things. Over time, I've kind of figured out what's profitable and then also what's enjoyable. You know, trying to get a good balance, ensuring that we have a stable income as well. So there's different things that I've looked at. But I think it's really important that your audience knows what you do and what you are about. So that's the branding kind of piece of it all, that they have a clear idea that you make this type of art, you're known for whatever it it might be. And, you know, it could be that you're, you know, really well known for doing these um, family portraits and you work on commission and you have this really brilliant commission process and you look after your clients really well and they're happy and they share it with all their you know and they're super excited and you're known for that that's where you stand out from other artists when you get really well known and good at something that people shout it from the rooftops and then it you know gets spreads and and then people just gravitate towards you and you get more people coming over to check you out and it just grows from there so you want to avoid confusion in your audience you want people to just get that really clear picture of what you do does that help at all no it does and I think like going back to what I was saying earlier like with the family portraits they're kind of I love doing them but um, I also only book in a certain amount because they're actually quite exhausting and I want to give everyone the very best effort and quality that I can so um, sometimes like I dabble in like doing these prints that I'm doing at the moment and then my abstract work and this is where it's really difficult because uh, yeah and I don't quite know what to do with my abstract work because I really enjoy it but it could be really confusing from the customer's perspective because they're really different styles and I don't know like some people might follow me perhaps if they like my abstract stuff which I don't do a lot of because family portraits are my number one and then I fit my abstracts and the other things in around that but whether the abstracts it might get confusing for a customer to go hang on I thought she did that other type of style so whether I like have a separate page for that or a different like or do I just kind of try it out and see how it goes and then change if necessary? Oh, can I be don't a difficult know. one and I feel like I'm going to contradict myself now. But <laughs> um, but I, look, I mean, I see many artists that do several different things and make it work. And I would say that I am one of those <laughs> in, a, in a sense that I cross over from doing like big canvas work and then I do watercolour work and they're quite different in the sense of the style. But there is like a a thread through it all and mostly it's around colour and mixed media kind of mark making and things like that. So I think that if you can have a thread, so it might be this sort of vibrancy of colour that you have or just a sort of quirky style and it sort of flows through both of those areas, I totally think you can make that work all under the one brand. Yeah. 
that's a good point. And I think the other thing is like your brand as well. And I guess this is a good thing about having background in marketing too, is I have an awareness of what brand means and it's not just your logo. You know, the tone of voice, your imagery, all those things help to tie it together. But I think it's this is it's been really good to ask you that question actually because that was one of the things that was kind of playing on my mind that I wasn't quite sure how to take it. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, like having that commonality that threads that connects the pieces together from a customer's perspective I guess if they can see a common thread through that then that will help them to go oh that Kelly girl that's that burger and stuff or however yeah they relate to it yeah I've had a look through your feed and stuff and I, I see that thread through your work I think that by having sort of two main arms to the business it just keeps it interesting you'll find that they might gravitate towards one style more than the other but then they're also likely to say to someone hey you know I love her abstract work but they might you know they might meet someone who they feel would love your portraits and share that and when it's done well actually having a few things can be very beneficial and help you tap into a larger audience okay yeah Yeah, thanks for that so Mm. that's just my point of view now as I've said through the podcast I don't have this all (laughs) down either so you do have a lot of experience (laughs) and it's also good as well yeah from someone who hasn't known me for a while so you're looking at it from a really fresh perspective Mm. And that's true. So, you know, I was just looking through your through your feed and oh, there's such a great vibe that comes through. It's energetic. It's something there that you can really work with. So from that point of view, yeah, I think you could continue to run it all under your, your name that you're running under. So burger and stuff. And then it's working out what are the main components of the business? Like what's actually going to move your business forwards and how can you make sure you're focusing energy on the right things? And that does involve a bit of trial and error and research as you've been doing, you know, working (laughs) out whether you're going to go, you know, do do galleries, prints, whether or not there's other things that you want to to focus on in what you could do because it's, you know, many artists are doing quite a lot of different things to support a business. And then there's the whole sort of making the most of the online space. And that's probably where my main experience is in making use of what you can do as an artist using the online opportunities that we have, whether that be selling your work through Instagram and things like that, or whether that is through providing some kind of resources, you know, so that might be something that you might do down the track. There's just so many possibilities around what you can do with that, you know, resource guides, online classes, those sorts of things can add another element to your business that can make it more sustainable. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, and being open to that. So it's probably not the right time for me now, but having that, I guess, in the back of my mind as a possibility is a a good thing. Something that you can think about over, you know, down the track, whether or not there's something that you have learned that would be really valuable to share with others. Is there a process? Is it around the work that you've done in securing clients and building up a commission-based business? I'm just throwing ideas around, you know, how you manage that commission process. Commissions are not easy. So, you know, I take my hat off to you for the work that you do because it's very challenging working with clients and portraiture. It's always good to think about the knowledge that you're building and we forget how valuable it is Mm, that's true yeah and I think like you're going back to saying earlier about imposter syndrome sometimes you feel like 
I thought, what would I know? But you actually, like I know a lot more now than I did three years ago. So there would be someone who would be similar to me that could maybe learn from me as well, even though I don't feel like I, I know a lot. I probably do when I think about it. Um, yeah. Yeah, they're really good points, Laura. Yeah, and I mean another other options like you could explore licensing your work. That can be another interesting way. I don't have a huge amount of experience in it, but for work like yours, that could be an interesting. And I have thought about that because I quite like that model um, of branching into homewares, um, like bedding and things like that. I thought particularly some of my abstract work could translate really well. So that could be something to you know just to you know keep your eyes and ears open for information and and you're really good at going out and contacting people (laughs) so you know like reaching out to people so you know if you can find someone that would be a really good role model in that area to get some information about how you could explore that that could be an option as well so it's always good to have something that you can rely on like you have like you've got your portraits but you've also recognized early on that there's a lot of work involved in them so yes there is and um, but I must say I have been I don't know whether it's luck or I'm not sure but I've worked like all my customers have just been amazing they have been and I've like developed some really nice relationships with some of the people but it is time consuming in terms of the back and forth and I think that's what people don't see so there's a lot of consulting so I always say to people the actual painting part of my portraits is not even the main part the main part a lot of it is in my thinking the concept I do loads of research I put in a lot of time and energy into really I really want to try and portray who the people are not what they do and that takes a lot of time that people don't see because it's not the actual doing part and that's why I made a conscious decision early on to aim for doing less like I'd rather do quality over quantity and I feel like perhaps maybe that's helped me also to attract the type of client that really wants my work because it is like I'm, I'm not doing realistic real life stuff so if people want me if they want to commission me for a portrait then it's because they really like my style and yeah so hopefully that kind of helps me to attract the kind of customers that yeah are the right customers for me so I, I agree with that as well I feel like I could talk to you forever Kelly it's not <laughs> it's not fair that we have to wrap this up because I'm just looking at the time going this is going to end up being a two-hour podcast oh, yes <laughs> And we do actually have to do work, don't yes, we? Yes, yes, yes we do. So, yeah. oh, I, I've absolutely loved talking to you. I, there's just been so much wisdom that you've shared. <laughs> As of you, thank you. Like you've actually helped clarify um, yeah, a couple of things for me, particularly in terms of the um, who I am as an artist and the direction that I want to take. That was really good to hear your advice and opinion on that so thank you so before we go though I just want to make sure that everybody knows where they can find you and what you have to offer so can you let people know um, a little bit about what they can what they can find so I hang out mainly on Instagram so that's at burger and stuff so b-e-r-g-e-r and stuff Um, and my website is in production which I feel like I've been saying for months but it is and that will be just burger and stuff 
instagram.com. Um, otherwise, people can email me, DM me, whatever they want to do. But I love Instagram probably too much. So that's the best place to find me. And yeah, that's it. All right, Kelly, I think I have to go because uh, I think we're uh, actually, I'm in, a, I'm in the office today and I'm in one of the meeting rooms. And I just realized oh like it's probably someone actually <laughs> waiting to use this room because it's gone. Back. You go. So sorry, you I go. had to cut you short there. But um, that is fine. Yeah, such a good conversation. I can't wait for this one, I have to say. So. I'll keep you posted. So good to chat, yeah. Lara, Laura. I'm about to go eat my daughter's Lara. Yes, very good to chat. Yeah, look forward to keeping in touch via Instagram as well. I love following along with everything you do and your podcast. So thanks for providing all the information you do. It's actually really helpful to people like me. All right, beautiful. All right, I have to go. go. <laughs> yep. Okay, bye, Thanks, Laura. Kelly. Bye. See bye. So if you're still here, because I know that this was a long episode, thanks for tuning in. And I have a little favour to ask you, if you enjoyed the conversation, please do share it over on Instagram and make sure that you tag Kelly so she sees your lovely posts. So she's over on Instagram and her handle is at Burger and Stuff. So thanks once again for listening in and I hope to see you again next week.